It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We're especially delighted to have those who may be watching today for the very first time. Please stay tuned as we're going to be talking about God's way to build a strong family. You hear people talking about the family today and their different ideas about it, their viewpoints about the family. Politicians have their viewpoint about the family. We have those that, that are in the news media that have their idea about the family. And not to be outdone, preachers sometimes even have their point of view. But, but let me tell you I, what I am concerned about, what I'm interested in, what I'm most focused on today is the way God feels about the home. God's way to build a strong family. Please stay tuned. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course, and I emphasize this is free, and we want to pause long enough that you can learn a little bit about the course and, and how you might be able to receive it free of charge. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. When we think about God's way to build a strong family, that, that there's a question that comes to mind. Why is God's way best? Why, why, why can't we determine what we think the home ought to be? Well, one of the reasons that I would suggest to you that, that the way God feels about the family is the best way to to look at the family is because in the very beginning of time God is the one who created the home. You see God created man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the first man became a living soul and then after he created man God observed that it was not good for him to be alone. So God took a rib from the side of the man and from that rib he created the woman. And when the woman was presented to the man, he said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman. For it's taken out of man for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and that they too shall be one flesh. See, God is the creator of the family. It's not man. It's not the government. It's not preachers. God is the one who created the home at the very beginning of time. Another reason I would suggest that God's viewpoint of the family and God's way is the best way to build a strong family because He knows so much more than we do. He's so much wiser than man. You could find the wisest people in all of the world people that have great wisdom and great knowledge, but their wisdom and their knowledge in no way begins to compare to the wisdom 
and to the knowledge and to the thinking of God Almighty. He is so superior. In Isaiah, the 55th chapter, in verse 8 and verse 9, he, Isaiah put it like this, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts than your thoughts, and my ways than your ways. You see, God's thoughts and God's ways are vastly superior to those of man. And when you think about how much superior God is in His thinking, it makes me understand that I need to listen to what God says about how to build a strong family. Let me give you a third reason that I think God's way to build a family is the best way. It is because ultimately we're going to answer to God for what we have done as a member of our family. In 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter and verse 10, the Bible there says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that we must give an account of the things done in our body, whether it's good, whether it's bad or evil. And so one day I will give an account of how I have performed, how I have acted as the father in our home, the husband in our home. You see, we're going to have to give an answer to God for what we have done or have not done in our family. But another reason I suggest that, that God's way is the best way because God has our best interest at heart. You see, God has always wanted the best for man. And when God tells you how to do a certain way, the reason He tells you how to do things in a, in a given way is because God knows that is the best way for you to do it. God has always loved human, humankind. In Jeremiah 31 and 3, this is what He said about His people in the long ago, I've loved you with an everlasting love. So what we need to be doing in modern times is to listen to the, the, to the teaching of God and to listen to the thinking of God about what we need to be doing in the home. The family today in America, the, the best way I know to put it is we are in crisis mode. The, the home seems to be collapsing around us today. Some suggest that we may have seen the very best years of the American family. They call them the golden years. Well, what will our children see when we're gone? What kind of families will they have when we're gone? And what are we going to leave them today? I think that's a very serious thing to consider. We need, to, in, in our time, in this 21st century, we need to return to God's outlook on the family. We need to turn, return to God's way. You see, man's way is not working. It is not working. As a matter of fact, the home is in, in a state of collapse today. And so we need to go back to the one who created the home in the very beginning. If there's ever been a time in my years of living on this planet that we needed God more in our lives in America 
yea, even the whole world for that matter. It's in the day in which we live. God ungodliness is, is happening uh, every day in our nation. You know, there was a time in our country when 60% of the population of America would be in some place of worship on the Lord's day. Now that figure has dropped to somewhere between 38 and 40%. Uh, according to some statistics I read just recently, now less than 70% of the people in America believe in God. Our nation is really an illiterate nation when it comes to faith and belief in God. You know, 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And Satan is alive and well on planet earth. He is on a mission. And he's on a mission to destroy your family, your home. For example, in 1950, the number of single families was about 7%. That is where there was a single parent in the home. Now that percentage is 70%. Or not 70%, but rather 38%. That percentage is now 38%. There has been an increase in cohabitation. In 1960, less than 500,000 people were cohabitating. Now we're told that it's about 7.5 million people. There has been an increase in the homosexual lifestyle. In 1950, 97% of our population was heterosexual. Now, 85% are heterosexual. There has been a decline in those who want to be married. In 1970, 71% of the population, the single population, desired to be married. Now that has dropped to about 49%. And there has been a change in childbirth in America. Now some 50% of those children that are born are born outside of wedlock. There's been an increase in violence in the home. I, I read recently that three women and one man, one man murdered every day in the home. There are between 8 and 10 million ch uh, children in America that witness violence in the home. Now, uh, that, that's all negative, isn't it? But it, it, it underscores the idea and the truth that what we're doing in the home is just not working. So, so there's got to be a better way. There must be a better way. And, and there's a better way than, than broken homes, handicapped children. There's, there's got to be a better way than violence in the home, abortion, cohabitation. There's got to be a better way than abuse, some of it sexual abuse. Some of it physical abuse or just outright contempt for God and outright contempt for the Bible. There's got to be a better way because what we're doing is not working. So I want to raise this question and I propose to try to answer it the best I can.
What is the best way to build a strong family? And I submit to you that God's way is. What is God's way for the family? Well, God's way for the family is that there be two in the home, a man and a woman. Now, God knew the difference in a man and a woman in the very beginning when He created mankind, male and female. You'll read that in your Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. But in 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter and verse 2, Paul said that every man should have his own wife and every wife should have her own husband. So there to be two in the home. What is God's way for the purpose of the family? Well, one of the reasons for the family is for the purpose of giving birth to children. In Genesis, the 4th chapter and verse 1, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Children come from God. In the 127th Psalm, the, the psalmist there said, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. You see, the home, God's way, and His purpose for the family is one of the reasons is to give birth to children, not outside the marital relationship, but within the framework of marriage. And in God's way for the home, it is for it to be a place of companionship. When God created Adam, God saw that everything was good except one thing. And He said it is not good for the man to be alone. Man needed a companion. And one of the most beautiful things in all the world is to see a couple walked down toward the sunset of life, hand in hand, that may have been married for 40 or 50 or 60 or more years, where they are, they enjoy the companionship with one another. So the home is for the purpose of companionship. And God's purpose for the home is it to be for pleasure. There's a pleasurable side to the physical relationship within marriage. In Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verse number 4, there the writer said that marriage is honorable and the bed is undefiled. And God's way to build a strong family is for this relationship and this union to be a pure union. There should not be sin that would come in and break that union. But Satan is always crouching at the door, wanting to destroy this relationship. You see, the way that Satan destroys a family is he comes between the husband and the wife. Sometimes children can become, become between a husband and a wife. We need to have families today where children are, are, are taught and instructed in the way of God. If we want strong families today, we cannot neglect our children. Solomon said that a child left to himself will bring his mother to shame. The only way that you can destroy a home is, is not by taking a wrecking ball to it. That's one way to do it. But another way to destroy a home or house is just to leave it alone and over a period of time it will deteriorate. 
and children that are left to themselves will, be, will not have the foundation for life they ought to have. Now I want to read some passages to you from the Old Testament. And I'm reading from the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. And I'm starting the reading in verse number four and I'd like to read through verse nine. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And they shall write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be that when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, to give thee great and godly cities, which thou beholdest, which thou buildest not. And so Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, and I read down through verse number 10, were verses well known to the Jewish people in the days of Moses. Moses is the author of the book of Deuteronomy. And Moses was about to leave the people as their leader when he wrote these words. And or he said these words to the people. And we have them for our instruction today. There is benefit in studying the Old Testament scriptures. Especially principles that will help to build a strong family. And uh, as a matter of fact, in Romans the 15th chapter and verse 4, which is a New Testament verse, Paul said that whatsoever things were written aforetime, that is in the Old Testament, were written for our learning so we can profit from it. Now what do we learn about the family from Deuteronomy chapter 6? What do we learn about building strong children within the family in Deuteronomy chapter 6? Well, verse 4 is referred to as the Shema or the basic confession of faith in Judaism. Hear, O Israel, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart. They must hear and they must obey God. Here is where uh, many people are failing today. This is a basic flaw of modern man. That is a failure to respond properly to God, a failure to hear God. And so these parents that were being taught this were told to hear, O Israel, the, the Lord thy God is one. And so the first thing is they were taught to listen to God. And then they were taught the Lord our God. That indicates a relationship they had with God. You see, God had brought them from slavery. He led them through the wilderness. And then God gave the Jewish people their law. And the reason He did that is because He loved them with an everlasting love. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3. Even when they broke His heart, and even when He had to send them into 70 years captivity, 
in a foreign land, God still loved them. So God is our God. He is the, our God today, the Lord, our God. That's our relationship. And, uh, and God is our God today. Now the Lord is one. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And there is only one God. We live in a pluralistic society. Some people will say, Well, you have your God. And you worship your God, and I have my God, and I worship my God. But the fact of the matter is the Bible teaches, I said the Bible teaches, there is just one God. He is the one who in the very beginning of time created the heavens and the earth. And Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, There is one God who is above all, through all, and in you all. My good people, there is only one God. And then he says, you're to love the Lord your God. And in our society, much to our chagrin, is basically self-centered. And a self-centered person is going to have a very hard time loving God. As a matter of fact, a person who is self-centered will have a hard time loving anyone other than themselves. When we love God, we're willing to surrender our will to His will. This is the love of God, John wrote in 1 John 5 and 3. Well, what is the love of God? That, that you keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous, that is, they're not some kind of a burden to be carried. You see, we do things God tells us to do because of our love for Him. In John the 14th chapter and verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And then, then in Deuteronomy 6, He said, uh, The words which I commanded you this day shall be in your heart. You see, what we read in the Bible has to be in our heart before we can tell someone else about it. It's difficult for me to teach someone something or to preach something to someone that I don't know anything about. And so it has to be in our heart. And I think that suggests that our lives must be directed by a will higher than our own. And that's the will of God. And he said, the words which I commanded thee this day shall be in your heart, and you teach them diligently to your children. We ought to do it with diligence. I, I think that suggests that we ought to do this with all of our heart and with all of our soul. If you don't remember anything else I say today, and if I were to give you a test, I'm sure you wouldn't remember much of it, but remember this please, is that relates to our children. It is a grave blunder to leave God's Word out of child-rearing. I, I think the, what the first word that a child ought to learn is not mama or daddy. That's usually the way it is, of course. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if the first word your child learned is the word God? God. 
or the word Jesus. Teach your children to love God. And you need to talk about this when you sit down, when you, when you rise up, when you walk by the way. You see, it ought just be as normal to, to read and study the Bible in your home as it is to eat and sleep. And he said, the words that I command you this day, they need to be a sign on your hand. They need to be as frontless between your eyes. You see, it became a custom among the Jewish people to wear these instructions. And as a matter of fact, he said, write them on the doorpost of your house. The Jewish custom was to attach a small vessel called the mezuzah to, a, to the doorpost. And inside that little vessel, there was the text from Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. The last words your children ought to remember when they leave home and go out on their own and as it were go through the doorpost of your house is to love God with all their heart, with all of their soul, and with all of their mind. Do you love God? Do you love God enough that you would give your life to Him? The greatest need of America is for people to return to God. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We need to return to God in these days. And we return to God by respecting His Word. We can't return to God without returning to Jesus. And Jesus is the hope of the world. He is the Savior of the world, 1 John 4, 14. And Jesus wants to save you right now. You'll have to believe on Jesus. He can't save you unless you believe on Him. John 8 and verse 24. And Jesus can't save you unless you're willing to turn away from the sin in your life. Jesus said, I tell you, neighbor, unless you repent, you're going to perish. And Jesus wants you to be willing to acknowledge your faith in Him. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. And we confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus, and it is unto or toward salvation. And in order that you might be saved and Jesus become your Savior and your Lord, you must be immersed in water, baptized into Christ, into the benefits of His death. You know, Jesus shed His blood in dying. And when we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized into the benefits of His death. And we'll rise to walk a new creature in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if any man be, Paul wrote, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And you can make your home a Christian home. I'd urge you to do that today. I'd urge you to make your home a Christian home. You know, Joshua said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I, I want to thank you for watching, getting to know your Bible today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580. 
or call 1-877-711-5214.